Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scary Stories to Listen to in the Dark. I am your host, Zulma, and on today's episode, we'll be covering two very unfortunate and heartbreaking stories, Uh, so listeners' discretion is advised. So let's begin. On January 17, 1996, 9-year-old Amber from Arlington, Texas, is with her five-year-old brother two blocks away from her grandma's house. Amber and her brother were riding their bicycles in the parking lot of an abandoned grocery store, and when her brother wanted to go home, she let him go by himself, and she said she wanted to stay a little bit longer. So he left. A man in a pickup truck abducts her, and the only witness is Jim Kevill, who says she fought back, kicking and screaming, and he immediately calls the police. He is described as white or Hispanic man in his 20 to 30s, under 6 feet tall, medium build, and black or brown hair. The vehicle was a full-size fleet-side single-cab black pickup with a short wheelbase, good condition at the time. Ricky, Amber's brother, goes home and tells his parents what happened. The laundromat nearby was full of customers, but the police suspect customers were in the country illegally, so when the cops show up, they bailed in fear and no one came forward. So the police thought that they would do a incentive and posted a $75,000 reward with the promise of no deportation if they came forward with information. But unfortunately, no one did. And I feel like if there really was information for that much money, someone would come forward. So unfortunately, I don't think anybody saw her. Four days later, a security guard that is walking his dog stumbles upon Amber's naked body. He, found, he finds her in a creek behind an apartment complex less than five miles away from where she was kidnapped. And she all she has on is a sock on her right foot. Autopsy reveals that the kidnapper kept her alive for two days. She was beaten and sexually assaulted and her throat was slashed. And this breaks my heart because she was alive for two days and she suffered for two days. And no one was able to help her. No one knew where she went. So after Amber's funeral on January 27th, a local radio listener, Diane Simone, wrote a letter to KDMX radio suggesting that the emergency alert system that is used for weather warning should be used during child abduction cases to get the word out to the community so that they can assist in the search. So the Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Radio Managers teamed up with local law enforcement agencies in northern Texas to develop the Amber Plan. And that stands for America's Missing broadcast emergency response. It relays reports of kidnappings and gives information. So on November 10th, the first Amber Alert success story involving Ray Lee Bradbury is, you know, it happens. And this case gained national exposure and prompted local law enforcement agencies from around the country to call the Arlington Police Department for advice on setting up their own Amber plans. Uh, So, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten this. I definitely have. Well, I'll be driving or I'll be like in school, like anywhere. And this noise will scare me. It's, I'm sure you all heard it. And it's Amber Alert. And it'll tell you child missing or, you know, black pickup truck. Or they'll give you like the like quick little detail. And for the first few times that that would happen, I didn't know what it was. I was just like, oh, what? Is, okay. And then like, I just realized that, you know, it's sad because, you know, someone was kidnapped or you know something is going on that and I think it happens um they send it out to everyone near the vicinity so if you're like let's say in Fullerton 
and the child gets kidnapped in Florida. And then everyone in that Floriton area will get the message. So I don't know how far out it goes. I didn't get to research that, but it's smart because then people are able to know what they're looking for. So like that, let's say the black pickup truck, then you're looking around for a black pickup truck and you're going to call the cops and, you know, they're going to give hints. So, you know, so fortunately for Ray, they, um, that child was able to, you know, come back home. But unfortunately, Amber's murder has never been solved. And it's, you know, it's terrible because this little girl wasn't solved. But thanks to the Amber Alert, over 800 children have been saved. And I don't know if that's from 96, but that's what I got from the um, the Dallas-Fort Worth Association. And, you know, it, it's bittersweet because thanks to the Amber Alert, so many children's lives are you know, saved and they're able to come home. And this uh, reminds me of this other case called the Megan's Law. And I'll give you guys a little bit background on that one as well. So it's kind of similar where some tragedy happens, but then other children's lives get saved. So before Megan's Law with Megan's Law was passed, there was the Jacob Wetterling, I can't even pronounce that, Wetterling Act of 1994, which required each state must maintain and develop a registry of sexual offenders and other offenses related to crimes against children. This registry was only available to law enforcement and was not open to the public viewing. I believe they only uh, opened it to the public if it was very urgent or very, like, it needed to, like, be announced. So on July 27, 1994, Jesse Temendiquis, who had been convicted twice for sex crimes against children when he moved into a home across the street from Megan, lured Megan into his house where he raped and murdered her. He left her body in a nearby park and the following day he confessed his crime and led the police to Megan's body. He was sentenced to death, but on December 17, 2007, the death penalty was abolished by the New Jersey legislator and the murderer was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Megan's parents, Richard and Maureen Kinka, challenged the Jacob Wetterling Act because they said if they had known that their neighbor Jesse Temendiquis was a convicted sex offender, Megan would be alive today. And so Megan's law was enacted in New Jersey 89 days after Megan was murdered. The law required every state to have a sex offender registry and a notification system for the public when a sex offender is released into their community. It is also required that repeat sex offenders receive a sentence of life in prison. And I, like I said, it's super unfortunate that what happened with Megan and Amber, but, you know, the parents and people like Diane took action and put a stop to, like, this can't keep happening. And I am very happy that they get, that the sex offender has to receive a sentence of life in prison because, you know, you had one chance when you were released to go out there and change and you decided to repeat your offense again so you deserve to be in prison that's right but it just really upsets me um but so it's funny because I remember being in elementary and middle school and I remember my friend's parents would be like don't go to this neighborhood don't go to that and you know I never thought that they had maybe looked up the sex offender registry and now that I think of it, I haven't done it in my area, and I think everyone should, just to be aware of your surroundings. Like, I feel like sometimes we just get too, com- it's kind of with driving, you know, you get so comfortable with driving, and accidents happen because you're just so on autopilot. It's kind of like, 
you go to your home, you know, you don't look, you don't look around when you walk around your neighborhood or you, when you go check the mail, like I live in an apartment complex and I just like, I feel very safe here, but you never know. And, uh, funny story I actually had. So where I live right now, I moved twice in the same complex. Uh, so I moved to a different unit, but the first unit I lived in, there was a guy that lived on the left side of me, like across on the left side. And he was always, he is very, I think he still lives here. He's very nice and kind of uncomfortably nice, you know, where he's kind of like, he's like, I would say 50 or six. I think, yeah, I want to say he's in his fifties, late fifties. Um, and he always kind of wears the same thing every time. And I'm not judging, you know, you can wear whatever you want, but, uh, he's always like, Hey, how are you? And he's has scared me a few times. Cause I'll be like unlocking my door and he like say, Hey, really loud. And I jump and I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, he scared me. He's like, doesn't even sorry. He's just like very like nice. And he's like very brief when he talks to me. Um, but I remember one time, cause like our doors aren't thin, but like the main door isn't like, you can hear easily. Like if I'm by my front door and I'm talking, I think people outside can hear me. Like it's that kind of like, um, you know, thickness. And I just remember like being, I think I was sleeping or something. I was like right by my front door and I heard like a police officer talking to him and me being nosy. I was like, what is going on? I like peep through my like door hole and I see uh, a police officer talking to him and she was saying, well, the neighbor said, it wasn't me, like someone that lived across from him as well said that you opened the door and you were naked and that like the child saw you and he's like, I would never hurt a child. And it was like, I, you guys, my, the blood ran, like my stomach dropped and I was like, oh my gosh, is this guy? And it never occurred to me. So right after this, I'm going to go check if he is because what if he has to be registered? But like the cops never took him into custody, but he was just like being defensive. He's like, I would never hurt a child. And I was just like, but this is what I picked up. Okay, guys, I can't assume that, you know, he might've, maybe he actually opened the door naked, but I wouldn't know why you do that. So anyways, that just got me thinking. I need to check my <laughs> registry. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, make sure you guys check, especially if you have kids, you know, you want to know you want to feel safe, you know, but like I said, we get too comfortable sometimes and we just forget and we should check our surroundings. Make sure you're always being careful, guys. And yeah, that's my advice. Um, Let's end the day on a happier note. Um, what are you guys grateful for today? Think about something that makes you happy or made you happy today. Today, I am happy because I had coffee this morning. I love coffee and I was out and I had some today because I finally bought some. So yeah, that's just what makes me happy, guys. And I'm also thankful to live in a safe community, or at least I think I do, and I feel safe here and to have just a home and I'm comfortable. So yeah, I hope you guys, even if it's something small, I know today wasn't like anything crazy that I'm thankful for today, but I've been home all day. I have I had school today and I just haven't left the house. So that's why I can't think of anything. But you know, that's my flaw. I should have went outside to get today to get some fresh air because getting fresh air and some sun is super important. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Um, you know, I don't have, I need a tagline. I don't have one, but since it's scary stories to listen to in the dark, I can say, I hope you don't have nightmares. I don't know. That sounds lame. You guys need to help me. Anyway, have a wonderful night, guys. Thank you.